Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 13. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Revelation chapter 13. And as you turn your Bibles, let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. And we pray, God, that you would bless your word now. May it go out freely to the hearers. And Lord, may your word bring forth fruit in our lives. And may we, from this Bible study, Lord, be men and women who are looking for Jesus Christ, not the Antichrist. And yet I pray, Father, that you would use your word to show us, make it clear to us that the time is drawing near. Jesus is coming soon. And, and, and technology and psychology, all of these things are in place to tell us that our Lord is coming soon. Father, may that passion burn in our hearts today, we ask in Jesus' name. And we all agree and said a hearty. Amen. If you need a Bible, let me say, if you forgot your Bible today, um, raise your hand because you are going to need one. Open your Bibles, if you haven't already, to Revelation chapter 13. I told you last week that today we were going to be talking about the most famous number known to man, and that is the number 666. We're going to be talking about that this morning. We're going to talk about Satan, the Antichrist, the false prophet, and this number 666. Now, before we do that, let me give you the outline. Now, each service I've had the same response because as soon as I say outline, you immediately think what? Revelation chapter 1, verse 19 is the outline for the entire book. And yesterday I was at the men's breakfast. It was really, really funny. And this guy was teaching. And he started talking about in Revelation chapter 1 where John falls down before God, prostrate before God in humility there in chapter 1. And then he said, and then just a few verses later, you'll find the divine outline. And all the guys begin to laugh. And I'm thinking to myself, Good. They got it. They finally got it. And you guys got it. You know that Revelation chapter one, verse 19 is the outline for the entire book. And I'm like, Lord, thank you. I'm doing my job and they're getting it. They really are getting it. But that's not the outline I'm going to give you this morning because you already know that one. Right. We're going to shift gears just a bit. I'm going to give you an outline for Revelation chapter 13. It is a short, simple, sweet little outline. Two things we're going to talk about this morning. Number one, the beast from the sea. You'll find that in verses 1 through 10. The beast from the sea, verses 1 through 10. And then secondly, the beast 
from the earth. You'll find that in verses 11 through 18. Two things we're going to talk about. Here's your simple, short, little, sweet outline. The beast from the sea in verses 1 through 10. Let me encourage you, get your pad out, get your pens. You're going to need to take some notes this morning because I'm going to give you a lot of homework. Things you're going to have to go away and chew on and look up for yourselves because there's so much in this chapter. This chapter is so awesome. This chapter is so amazing. I think you'll find out that it is also. So you're going to want to go back later on. The beast from the sea in verses 1 through 10. The beast from the earth in verses 11 through 18. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Revelation chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. If you're there, would you say a hearty amen? Amen. And then I stood on the sand of the sea. And this is John, John the Revelator. I, John, stood on the sand of the sea. And I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power. The dragon gave him his throne, and the dragon gave him great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. A miracle happened. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. And so they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Now, stop right there. Give me your attention. If you will notice, John stands on the sea and he sees a beast rising out of the sea. Now, the beast is the Antichrist. You might want to write that in your Bible. The beast is the Antichrist. The word, the name Antichrist comes from the prefix anti, meaning against or instead of or opposed to, and Christ. The Antichrist is opposed to Christ, instead of Christ, or in the place of Christ he seeks to be. Now, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, he has many names, this Antichrist. Paul says, Paul calls him the son of perdition, the lawless one. Daniel chapter 7, he is called the little horn. Daniel chapter 9, he is called the prince that shall come. He is the Antichrist, Satan's counterfeit to Christ. And so the beast that John sees is the Antichrist rising from the sea. Now, in Bible typology, listen, in Bible typology, the sea is a reference to the Gentiles. The sea refers to the Gentiles, and the land, you guessed it, refers to Israel. Now, unlike us, the Jewish people, they hated the ocean. They hated the sea. They hated the, 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 the ocean and the sand. They didn't like it. That's why they classified it and put it in the category, referred to it as the Gentiles, because they hated the sea. Now, we love the sea. Let me say, you guys love the sea. I don't love the sea. I don't like the beach. I don't like sand between my toes. 
and I don't need a tan. So, <laughs> amen. I was born this way. But, but, and the Jews, I, I'm with them. They don't like the sea. So they classified the sea with the Gentiles. Now, this beast we see is coming from the sea. And many believe, many good Bible scholars believe that the Antichrist, this beast, will be a Gentile. And others say that he will be Jewish who lives in a Gentile nation, maybe European Jew who lives in a Gentile nation. But notice the dragon, Satan, stands on the sand of the sea and he calls forward the beast, the Antichrist. And the beast comes forth out of the sea. And notice he looks like something out of a Steven Spielberg movie. He has seven heads and ten horns. Now, we talked about this last week. If you weren't here, you might want to pick up the tape or pick up the CD. We talked about this last week, that the seven heads refer to a geographical location. It refers to a location known as the city of seven hills. Now, Matthew chapter, pardon me, Revelation chapter 17 talks about a city with seven mountains. And since Rome was built on seven hills, this is a reference to Rome. This is the city from which the Antichrist, the beast, will reign from. Now, all throughout history, the city of Rome has been known as the city of seven hills. And so this city, these seven heads, refer to the place, the city, the geographical location that the Antichrist will reign from. And the ten horns refers to the political base, the revived Roman Empire. And we'll talk about that in just a bit, a little bit more about that. Now, in order, very key, listen, in order for you to properly understand the book of Revelation, it is imperative that you understand Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7. Those two chapters are a must if you are going to properly interpret the book of Revelation. Now, it's in Daniel chapter 7. One night, Daniel's laying on his bed, and he has a prophetic vision. He has a dream. And in this dream, God is showing him the outline of the earth's ruling empires, from Daniel to the Lord's millennial reign, the earth's ruling empire. And these earthly empires there in Daniel chapter 7 are represented by beast. Now the first beast there in Daniel chapter 7 we see is a lion, which is a symbol of the tremendous authority of the Babylonian kingdom, the first world empire. And then the second beast is like a bear in Daniel chapter 7, which represents the strength of the Medo-Persian Empire that defeated the Babylonian Empire. And the third beast, a leopard, the Grecian Empire, which spoke of the swiftness of Alexander the Great in his conquering quickly. And then we come to the fourth beast described in Daniel chapter 7, verse 7. And this beast is so hideous, it's so ugly, that Daniel can't even really describe it. It's found in Daniel chapter 7, verse 7, and it says, Behold, a fourth beast, dreadful, this is awful, 
and terrifying and extremely strong, and it had large iron teeth. It devoured and crushed and trampled down the remainder with its feet. And it was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. The fourth beast is the final empire, the Roman Empire. Now, the unified, understand, the unified Roman Empire ended in 476 A.D. And since 476 A.D., there have been many men who have tried to put the empire back together again. Charlemagne, Napoleon. I always want to call him Neapolitan. That must be my addiction to ice cream or something, man. I don't know what the deal is. Napoleon, almost said Neapolitan Bonaparte. Napoleon, Charlemagne, Adolf Hitler with his Third Reich, Mussolini. As you study history, you can catch a glimpse of men who popped up and wanted to revive the glory of Rome, but it wasn't God's time yet. You know that nursery rhyme, Humpty Dumpty. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. It was interesting for me to discover that this nursery rhyme or this kid's rhyme or poem was written with the fall of Babylon in mind. Very interesting. Although everyone had tried again and again, they could not put the Roman Empire, Humpty Dumpty, back together until the Antichrist comes on the scene during the Great Tribulation, and he will be able to bring the old Roman Empire back into its glory. And so that is the very point that John is making here. John is pointing out that the Antichrist is going to combine the features of these prominent world empires of the past. The lion-like ferocity of Babylon, the crushing bear-like power of the Medo-Persians, the swiftness of the Grecian leopard in the last days. There's going to be a combining again of the nations that once comprised the Roman Empire, known as the revived Roman Empire. In other words, the European nations would federate together in the last days. Now, listen, what John, remember, John is prophesying here. John is looking into the future. And what John is looking into the future at, we have seen in our lifetime, in our time. We've seen this, the European nations federating together. We've seen this in our lifetime, the nations of Europe coming together to make up the European community, 10-nation confederacy, and out of it will come the little horn of Daniel which will destroy three of the kings. But then he will receive the power over the kingdom and have power over the earth. What John is talking about, we have seen in our culture. This is amazing. And so the beast, he's rising up out of the sea. Notice in verse three, if you will with me, while the Antichrist is really pulling his power together and coming into that place of prominence, notice he is shot in one of his heads. Did you notice that? 
And all the world wondered, and they worshiped Satan, the dragon, and they worshiped the beast, saying, who is like the beast and who is able to make war against him? They shot him, and he received a mortal wound. Now, there are many scholars, many debates. They debate concerning whether the Antichrist is wounded to the point of death or did he actually die? It was a debate. Was he wounded to the point of death or did he actually die? Well, I think Revelation chapter 17, and if you're a Bible student, know that Revelation chapter 17 actually sheds light on Revelation chapter 13. Now, Revelation chapter 17, verse 8, it says, The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. I believe there's no question. The Antichrist, this beast who has been wounded, he was wounded to the point of death. He actually did die. This popular, powerful, likable, charismatic figure who has captured the world's attention will really die, descend into hell, will come back to life. And when he comes back, he will truly be Satan incarnate. But whether dead or appearing to be dead, notice something amazing happens. His deadly wounds are healed. Did you see that? He's healed. It's a miracle. And he comes back to life. He comes back to life. Now, there's been a lot of Elvis sightings. I mean, why don't people leave Elvis in the grave? A lot of Elvis sightings, but what if, hypothetically, what if Elvis suddenly came back? What if John F. Kennedy suddenly showed up? What if John Lennon suddenly came back? Imagine. Imagine. Imagine CNN. 2020, in this video replay, you remember the, the, uh, the Twin Towers. When the planes flew into the Twin Towers, the towers began to fall. And I don't know about you, but I saw it constantly on every single station. They just kept playing it over and over. I was like, stop the insanity. Please stop showing that. It's just over and over and over again. What if CNN 2020 continued to replay this leader being gunned down? And the whole world sees it, and he comes back to life. Now, we talked about this earlier, that this is now possible, that the whole world can see what is currently going on in any country in Jerusalem. We know that to be a fact. Now, we talked about this earlier, where the two witnesses are going to lie dead in the streets, and, and there's going to be this huge happy dead prophet's day, because the people are going to start making merry because these two guys are dead, and they're going to start giving each other gifts, and the whole world will see it. And here we have, again, the Antichrist, this beast, is dead. He comes back to life. The whole world sees it. The whole world goes crazy. And they begin to worship the beast and the dragon who gave power to the beast. Satan is now worshipped. Now, isn't this what he has always wanted? From the beginning, 
I will be like the Most High God. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Satan's always wanted to be worshipped. And here, now, he gets what he wanted. They worship the dragon and the beast, and they say, who can stand against this one? And then notice in verse 5, and he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue, note this, 42 months, which is how long? Three and a half years, very good which is 1,260 days, which is time, times, and half time. Revelation chapter 12, verse 14, time, times, and half times. 42 months, three and a half years, this guy is given a voice. He is given a mouth to speak. And then in verse 6, he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name. Now, you know what? Blasphemy does not mean to curse God. You know, we hear people say a curse word, and somebody says, oh, you blaspheme God, you blasphemer. You blasphemer. That doesn't mean to curse God, although I wouldn't recommend it. Say amen. Y'all wouldn't recommend it either. To blaspheme God literally means to shake your fist at God and say, God, I want my will, I want my way, I want it to be done my way is to exalt yourself above God. In other words, to act as if you know better than God. That is blasphemy. It doesn't necessarily mean to curse God. It means you think you know better. The Antichrist, Satan, he blasphemes God. He opened his mouth and he speaks blasphemies against God. And notice he did it in God's house to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven, there will be worldwide acceptance and allegiance to the Antichrist after he comes back to life, and no doubt he will go on the talk show circuit. Larry King, Oprah 2020, World News Tonight with David Jennings, all these guys will want to talk to him. Notice in verse 5, he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, great things. He has some great ideas. He will present some bold economic moves and bring a global peace plan. The world will be in chaos and confusion, and he will have answers. The world will be won over by his charisma and his ideas. It has been said he will have the charisma of JFK, the oral skills of Winston Churchill, the determination of Joseph Stalin, the vision of Karl Marx, the respectability of Gandhi, the military prowess of Douglas MacArthur, and the charm of Will Rogers. He will speak for three and a half years, and when he positions himself in a place of power, then domination complete becomes his M.O. Notice in verse 7, it was granted to him, the Antichrist, to make war, underline this, with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. It's Jesus' book. The book of life belongs to Jesus. Now, we don't have time to talk about it in the interest of time this morning. But later on, as we move through Revelation, 
will talk about this book of life. How do you get in it, Rodney? Uh, it's not hard. Just believe in the Lord Jesus. Put your faith and your trust in him. And guess what? He writes your name in the book of life. If you're a Christian today, your name is written in the book of life. And it's Jesus' book. He won't lose it. I lose books. I lend books. I, I give away books. Jesus doesn't lose books, lend books, or give away this book. Because he's got you. He's holding you. Isn't that great news? Isn't that awesome? And your name, if you're a Christian, your name is in the book. You're the who's who in heaven. Isn't that cool? Because on earth, I'm, I'm who's he? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.